Welcome to The Rich Report, a podcast with news and information on high-performance computing. Today, my guest is from Intel. We have James Reinders, who is a software evangelist at the company. James, how are you doing today? Very good. Good to be talking to you again, Rich. Well, James, I wanted to bring you on today. You know, we're winding up the year, and I, I saw your blog just came out the other day about the top 10 ways uh, Intel's driving HPC democratization. See, I even said it right. Uh, for 2016. So uh, why don't we go through that and start at number 10? What's going on, James? Well, uh, <laughs> number 10 on the uh, the list of democratization um is our uh, introduction of the H Intel's HPC Scalable System Framework. And uh, I think it's a good one to start off with uh, talking about because the, uh, the democratization of HPC is really <clears throat> near and dear to my heart. It's something I'm very excited about, having been in HPC for decades now. Um, seeing HPC spread and get used more and more widely um, you know, enables a great deal of science and engineering breakthrough work. You know, the, the real purpose of building these machines is uh, for people to get interesting things done on it. And the scalable uh, system framework that we have is, uh, uh, we, we refer to it as a flexible blueprint, but it's, uh, you know, uh, more specifics on how you can combine together hardware and software technologies in a way uh, we hope drives more consistency to the platform so that uh, um, we can stand on top of uh, of that blueprint, so, sort of like standing on the shoulders of giants. So I really am excited about that. Um, there'll be more, more and more unfold about that in 2016, but it's uh, really a way to bring together a lot of uh, high-quality hardware and software components and work with our OEMs to supply uh, uh, better and better systems to the industry to build upon. Yeah, and I, James, I talked to a number of the OEMs at uh, SC15 that will be using the Scalable System Framework, and it seems to have a lot of traction already for something that's so relatively new out there. So uh, I, I agree, this should be something to watch in 2016. Absolutely. I think it's a fantastic uh, you know, uh, partnership between Intel and the industry, between us and our OEMs, to, um, to supply uh, systems that uh, provide this uh, uh, scalable system framework um, support. Okay, so what comes in at number nine? <laughs> the uh, <laughs> number nine uh, on my list was uh, highly optimized Python support. So Python in the technical community um, plays a role, um, often for scripting and putting together uh, 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 frameworks that do uh, computation. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Py Python's very popular in uh, high performance and technical computing. And what we've done is we've brought the power of uh, Intel's math library and other optimizations to the SciPy and NumPy libraries. So while Python itself isn't known at being high performance, it has uh, these mathematical libraries that are. And uh, they're very popular, and uh, we found uh, the ability to accelerate them using uh, our math library, and we've taken that and uh, uh, have put together a distribution, and we're working to uh, hope Fully see these uh, these optimizations and improvement become commonplace uh, to Python users. 
Yeah, you know, James, whenever I write about Python at Inside HPC, I, I really get a lot of hits. There's a lot of uh, users, a lot of scientists using that uh, because, you know, writing code isn't their day job, right? And it seems to be accessible to those kinds of people. So uh, so that so that's exciting, uh, getting parallelization and, and libraries to that space. So uh, Absolutely. Well, and, yeah. you know, it's, it's difficult to give a pat, you know, one number of how much speed-up folks might see, but we've seen uh, speed-ups ranging from, uh, you know, 10 and 20 percent up to as much as a uh, a uh, hundredfold uh, improvements in performance. It, it's highly application dependent, but mm -hmm. it's a uh, it's a cheap thing to do is to install <coughs> this uh, version with the optimized NumPy and SciPy and get speedups. Uh, no, no other work is necessary, um, and see what sort of uh, uh, optimization that gives and allows you know the science that you're doing to get done faster. Well, terrific. Okay, so for number eight, some of that science might be getting done on your second-generation Intel Xeon Phi processors, right? So, well, yeah, absolutely. So our Knight's Landing, or what we have codenamed Knight's Landing, will be the second-generation uh, Intel Xeon Phi. Uh, to me, the really exciting news about it is it, it stops being trapped as a coprocessor. Uh, as a software developer, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, uh, I'd like to just go get access to that high-performance capability without being uh, uh, stuck on a card with a small amount of memory uh, mm -hmm. and having to move data back and forth. Uh, we, we get the power of Xanfi now as a processor. Um, we, uh, with pre-production silicon, we've got... Uh, three systems we've been talking about that are uh, outside of Intel now, um, CEAs, uh, Cray, and uh, uh, Sandia. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think this is going to be, you know, in 2016, it's going to be uh, transformative in the industry as seeing uh, uh, Knight's Landing, you know, the second generation Xeon Phi, uh, getting out there, getting pe people getting experience with it and seeing what it's like to have a mini-core uh, processor yeah, and and along those lines, you're gonna uh, try to get a book out uh, in 2016 about these new systems as well. Absolutely. In fact, I was working on it this morning. I think <laughs> I'll be working on it uh, for the next couple of months, and hopefully before the middle of next year, that'll be in print. I I'm really excited about it. I've uh, got a number of people helping. Uh, on the book, and I'm really excited with the preliminary information we've gotten back in terms of uh, experience using Knight's Landing and some of the results, and we'll capture that in a book and hopefully in one place give uh, programmers um, a good explanation top to bottom of how to view Knight's Landing. Um, to give you a little uh, insight, though, <laughs> the book's really uh, mostly just about parallel programming. Yeah, that's the that's the challenge of programming a highly scalable processor right. of any core device is just parallel programming. So. so, you think the book will be out before the the general availability of uh, these devices? Is it going to be a race? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, let's let's just say let's just say it's a race, and it's, uh, <laughs> but hopefully that hopefully they're timed uh, uh, whether once first or, or second, uh, hopefully they're timed similarly so yeah. that they can be uh, uh, used together. Yeah. Okay, okay. So f for number seven, then, your book would definitely tie into this, uh, Intel Parallel Studio uh, XE 2016. 
Yeah, we just uh, released uh, you know the annual update of our tools that are so popular in HPC and uh, a number of really great uh, new additions. Um, I think that a lot of the feedback from users is that they uh, keep wanting um, the, the tools, features in the tools to give them advice, guidance, <laughs> yeah. kind of steer them. Um, I certainly appreciate that. So there's a vectorization advisor that uh, is the first of its kind to really look at your programming and give you feedback about where to spend time vectorizing, what's going on. It's all in one place. There are kind of in features scattered around our tools that could do that, and I could teach a class for half a day of how to use the different ones. Mm -hmm. Vectorization advisor brings that together. Um, similarly, MPI snapshot, um, when we talk about tuning a cluster, uh, question becomes, well, what do I do? And, you know, usually you talk about uh, tuning at the cluster level, you know, the communication between nodes and the balancing, and then also at the node level. And uh, MPI Snapshot is a tool that kind of gives you insight into both at the same time and, and helps steer you to which one is probably more profitable to work on, which um, it, that may sound obvious, but that's, mm -hmm. again, something that we didn't have a tool that specifically tried to help with that. We had several tools and left it to the user previously to do that. Um, and then finally, the, the the other big addition, and I think this one's huge, is we have um, a new library we affectionately call DAL. It stands for um, Intel's Data Analytics Acceleration Library. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, it's kind of like... MKL for big data. Yeah. Um, big data not only has a lot of op opportunity for optimization uh, of computation, um, you also want algorithms that are doing your computation to be somewhat aware of data movement. You want to be able to handle streams uh, in particular, uh, but you want to be able to stage data into memory, operate on it, and then move on. Uh, because after all, we're talking about big data. So yeah. movement of data is, is critical. And a little bit of design algorithms, some of the algorithms like machine learning algorithms are popular in big data. And so we've given uh, optimized versions of these in the DAW library. And that's uh, I think that's, that's huge. And uh, we've seen some really great results with uh, customers that are going into big data. It's sort of like tying back to what I was talking about Python. It's Big data hasn't been known as being uh, highly optimized for computation. There's mm -hmm. been some early work on that, but uh, I think we're going to keep seeing more and more solutions emerge to help people in big data um, get the power of the platform, and uh, DAL will, uh, certainly is a big step in that direction. Yeah, we, we, we were coming on the heels of the uh, Intel HPC Developer Conference. Uh, actually, you did a series of these. Of course, and I, I saw machine learning coming up more and more as a topic there. So, uh, so, so that ties it together. Doll is what you guys are offering to uh, kind of bring that forward, aren't you? For software developers, Doll is uh, very important for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's number six, I think. But uh, uh, number five is something near and dear to my heart, which is free tools. For instructors, uh, what are you giving away today here, James? Well, we've we've brought a number of programs together to make our tools um, available um, for instructional use mm -hmm. um, for free. So, um, uh, 
teachers that are teaching classes, instructors, uh, classroom usage, students uh, uh, all have access to free uh, tools from Intel. Uh, also, we have some special programs for academic researchers for certain uh, items and uh, also for people doing um, work on open source. We've uh, mm -hmm. made some of our tools available for free. So there's a website to go to to see uh, if you qualify for one of these programs. Yeah. Um, and uh, I highly encourage people to take a look, uh, see if you qualify, you get uh, free tools from us. I, um, there are a lot of professors and a lot of students that have taken advantage of this in particular. And uh, I think that's great put in their hands the tools that can get the most out of the platform. So as uh, mm -hmm. people take a look at uh, what uh, programming work they can do, what scientific uh, explorations they might be doing, they can do it in, a, in an optimized uh, fashion. Well, great. But uh, not just for teachers. You're also on number five here, giving away free tools uh, for just for everyone, looks like, with community licenses for libraries. Well, free, free libraries. Free absolutely. libraries, yeah. So, yeah, so the, our libraries, uh, our math kernel library, uh, our data analytics library, DAL, that I mentioned earlier, our uh, integrated performance primitives, which is, has a lot of, of uh, media and image processing routines, and then, uh, and then TBB, which has been uh, free for some time. All four, four of these libraries um, are avi available now under community licenses. And I should mention the TBB is, even though it's been free a while, it's uh, been a GPL uh, license with source. In this particular case, it's a non-GPL binary mm -hmm. that we're including. So it's su subtly different. But uh, I think the really uh, big news here has been the Math Kernel Library uh, and then uh, and DAL and IPP, because as part of Parallel Studio, uh, for you know, you pay for them. Uh, I think you know, without a doubt, they're well worth it. But uh, we saw an opportunity um, to help uh, more wide use of these libraries, help scientists and engineers, and so we've uh, made them available under this community licensing program. Mm -hmm. uh, no strings attached, and people can go and uh, uh, click on a website and. Um, uh, get all four of these uh, together, and you can get them on uh, uh, Windows and Linux, and most of them are available on uh, OS X for the Mac, mm -hmm. and uh, I hope to see all of them available there in the upcoming year. Uh, so you've got uh, three different operating systems and four different libraries. Yeah, yeah, well, that sounds essential as, as you go to, you know, make uh, HBC more ubiquitous, right? Democratizing this for everybody. Uh, of course, at the same time, you've been very prolific in writing books, and that's number three, are your uh, parallel Parallelism Pearls, <laughs> Volumes 1 and 2, and sounds like more on the way. Yeah, you know, it's uh, th these Pearls books have been fantastic, but, you know, in the, in the efforts to um, uh, educate to spread the word how to uh, get, you know, the performance out of the platform. Mm -hmm. uh, these Pearls books have been uh, a phenomenal experience and have, uh, are proving extraordinarily useful. What they are is they're two books or a collection of chapters written by people all over the world who have actually gone and modernized their code. 
They've taken advantage of parallelism, and uh, and then they shared their experiences. And uh, uh, I've uh, recently been signing, you know, meet with people and sign and give them a copy of uh, Volume Two, and um, I've gotten. Uh, amazing feedback on Volume 1. People will stop me and say, oh, yeah. I really want to see Volume 2. I read Volume 1. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll say, well, what would you get out of that? And they said, well, you know, this was real code. This was code that someone changed. And in the chapters, they'll explain why were they thinking of changing it? What was their objective? How did they figure out what to change? What worked? What didn't? Mm-hmm. And then actually show the code. And these are open source projects too so the code's downloadable you can go poke at it it's not you know it's not hidden and mysterious and uh, there's just a lot of different looking at how people think about the problem differently and i don't think there's any better way to learn than to be able to get insights from uh, a variety of of experts are actually doing what uh, the rest of us want to do and we get to kind of look over their shoulders and learn from them uh, so yes, I think uh, towards democratization of HPC, we need to open up the doors, show people what's going on, what's, what we know uh, mm-hmm. already, uh, so that everyone can learn from it. And I think that's very powerful, because I think uh, uh, HPC uh, has traditionally been, uh, you know, had the challenges of breaking into, because there's so much common wisdom uh, that uh, it's not always clear how you learn from that other than go, you know, join yeah. a group. <laughs> right, you know, right. Go, 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 go move into Argonne Labs or move into Intel or wherever, CDA. Mm-hmm. Um, the, books, the books bring that um, <clears throat> in a form that anyone anywhere can uh, take advantage of. Yeah, and, and it really strikes me as uh, how many contributors you have to some of these books. Didn't you have more than 70? In the last book or something <laughs> yeah. crazy, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The first, the first book, there were sixty-nine of us, <laughs> and I thought, oh boy, I hope on the second book maybe I can cut that down a little. That's a lot of people. And then the next one, I got seventy-three. You know, in the, mm-hmm. the most recent book, wow. it's it's quite an honor to work with so many brilliant people. But yeah, it's a uh, uh, let's say I'm I'm particular about keeping track of people, so I don't think I lost anyone, but um, it was. Uh, <laughs> A lot, a lot of great people to talk to and work with for the book. Okay, okay, well, good. Well, getting on up to very recent times here, something just announced at SC15. At number two, we have the Open HPC Community, and I know Intel was a founding member, but can you just kind of nutshell what is that about, James? Well, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because I, I have the opportunity to go use computer systems at many places, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be get a log on at uh, TAC or Argon or uh, Exceed and get access to different machines around the country, things like that. And um, it's fascinating. I can describe every big HPC machine out there. Um, uh, there's a core group of uh, folks that... Uh, uh, bring together tons of different open source packages, you know, starting with the OS and then uh, different things like scheduling tools, whatnot, and then bring in commercial tools like uh, also some scheduling, uh, debug tools, uh, compilation tools, so forth. And they make this ecosystem together, and they have to worry about what works together, what switches to throw, how to do this. And, yeah. you know, when I log on to these machines, usually I can specify which compilers I want to use, which version of GCC, which version of Intel's compiler, which version of 
someone else's compiler debug tools. I can specify all those things, and I can specify how to run my job. Yep. It's a little bit different on each machine. Yes. And what that means is each one of these centers is doing similar work, but kind of duplicating, do, covering the same ground. And uh, so OpenHPC uh, community was established to uh, bring together, you know, these vast number of open source projects, which, of course, you know, we're all indebted to for their great work, but bring them together in a coordinated fashion. Um, um, it's not qu I wouldn't quite call it a, a distribution, even though, you know, it may pop out um, uh, uh, a downloadable binary mm -hmm. uh, version that brings these together. In fact, that's one of the objectives is to make it easy so you could actually click and download and install right. uh, something like this. But it's also really a framework because we know people need the flexibility to say, oh, I want this, I don't want that. Yeah. Um, but the hope is that this framework will, um, that we can work together as a community on establishing uh, um, more uh, standardization and how these things come together, validate, test together, uh, and then, you know, uh, a computing center can uh, drop this in place, do a little customization, and then move, you know, uh, focus their energies on higher level things that add value for their users. So I'm really excited about it because I see it as a it's a fantastic example of democratization of HPC. Um, you know, we've we've learned so much and collectively in the community, there's so much expertise running these different centers. Now this um, community, the Open HPC community, gives the opportunity for people to come together, share that wisdom, and then make it. Uh, uh, you know, semi-permanent as part of OpenHPC, how these packages can come together. Yeah, yeah, and maybe avoid reinventing the wheel every time you got to spin up a cluster. Uh, that, that sounds like a great effort there. So, uh, so James, uh, here we go. We're out to number one, the number one uh, thing going on for 2016, and it's kind of been the running thread here is code modernization, right? So, uh, uh, we, we saw this all over the place at the HPC developer uh, conference that Intel did at SC15 and some of these other places. But uh, what can we expect for the coming year? Yeah, I think uh, uh, this is this topic excites me a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I was initially a little skeptical about the title, code modernization. You know, what the heck? We're, we're, it's uh, primarily about you know taking advantage of the platform, getting your code parallel, and so on. But yeah. Uh, it has resonated with a lot of people because we said, look, <clears throat> we're going to talk about what we need to do to code to modernize it. And so it makes it pretty clear we're talking about uh, uh, efforts that can help people with legacy code. We're not mm -hmm. just talking about how to write code from scratch well. And we've had workshops and uh, the developer conference, as you said, that we've had various places around the world, starting in Austin um, and uh online training. That's going to continue next year. I think um, it's been phenomenal, the feedback we've gotten on this, the people that are come to uh, uh, either the hands-on training or come to the developer conference for a day or two and hear uh, uh, different experts and experienced people talking about this topic. But uh, what we found is um, there's a, a great deal of interest and need out there. Yeah, uh, and we've gotten to the point where we've got a real critical mass of expertise. Yeah, uh, yeah. and if you think about it, this you know ten years ago is when multi cores first hit the scenes. 
Um, And the challenge back then was getting people to even notice. Uh, And then after they did notice, the problem was still most of the most machines, except for an HPC, uh, were using, um, you know, had no parallelism. Even in HPC, um, most nodes used uh, one or two processors but didn't have multi-core. Well, so people struggled with, you know, 10 years ago, how do I write a program that's good for the people with single core and multi core? Mm. That problem's gone. Everybody's multi core. So I've seen, you know, a resurgence in interest as uh, people realize wow, every machine out there is multi core. Every node in a cluster or supercomputer, every workstation, mm-hmm. everything, in fact, cell phones and tablets are multi core. Um, so I think uh, this next year we've had nothing but strong positive feedback to do more of what we're doing so you can look forward to uh, more hands-on training classes so if you go to our code modernization website and we have you know tra- traveling trainers that uh, hit different cities uh, in the US and in Europe and we're going to explain that we've got uh, training in India uh, uh, China so forth um, go to the website find out uh, uh, the different uh, training events we may have. And I rattled off some countries, but there's far more countries involved than I mentioned. Uh, great opportunities to do hands-on. I think we're going to do more of that because people have given us feedback um, now that we've sparked their, their interest more that actually sitting down for two or three days and really getting your hands in this really will, you, you get great retention of what you learn. Mm-hmm. But we'll also continue developer conferences and that people can attend. We'll continue webinars, um, and there's um, an enormous wealth already on the website of uh, recorded talks. In fact, at the developer conferences in the U.S., the U.K., uh, and, and other places, we recorded uh, uh, the, the talks and have put them up on the website as well. So hopefully people will go take a look at this, see the wealth of things we have going, and take a look at... Uh, as we add things on our calendar for 2016, take a look at uh, what events, um, whether it be a webinar or a hands-on training that they could uh, attend mm-hmm. uh, and learn more about this really exciting topic. Yeah, yeah. So so code modernization, the democratization of HPC, all good things to look forward to in 2016. But thanks for bringing up those uh, videos, James. We actually, uh, at Inside HPC, we taped uh, 21 sessions <laughs> at your HPC developer conference. And I'll, I'll put a link to that in this story as well. But uh, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good science was discussed there. Topics like machine learning and visualization and other things. So, so James, I really want to thank you for coming on the show today. And I want to wish you uh, the best and happy holidays. The same to you. Um, I hope uh, for a very prosperous new year ahead for all of us. Okay. All right, folks. That's it for the Rich Report. Stay tuned for more news and information on high-performance computing.